you've got to express your dreams with conviction, right? If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And unfortunately, in corporate America, you've got to be your own advocate. You will have mentors and line managers and supporters along the way, but you've got to be in the driver's seat and drive the agenda of where do you want to go next, mm. right? And you've got to bring people along on that journey and believe in that vision that you have for yourself. Welcome to episode 16 of the Per My Last Email podcast. Holy crap, this year is almost over. I have made a commitment to get an episode out to you every week for the month of December. That way, if you guys are traveling or trying to avoid your weird uncles, you've got content to consume and hopefully enough content to share with your family and friends as you see them at holiday parties or doing shots at Christmas bars. I'm sure you all can imagine which of those two I will be doing. Anyway, we are one more weekend away from Christmas. If you are celebrating Merry Christmas, I hope you all have all the love and all the family and all the hugs and yummy treats you may like. And for those of you not celebrating, like myself, I am Jewish. So I just a few weeks ago finished celebrating Hanukkah. If you are not celebrating, I hope you enjoy Whatever it is you plan to do, whether it's go on vacation or eat Chinese food and go to the movie theater like I grew up doing. I feel like there are a lot of Jewish kids who, you know, are keeping the Chinese food industry alive on Christmas Eve and day. I grew up in a predominantly Jewish area in the north suburbs of Chicago, but it was predominantly also a lot of immigrants. And, you know, there's these funny traditions that are like these combos of immigrants trying to kind of take on American culture and also keep their own culture. And you end up with this mismatch of stuff. But Christmas and Chinese food and movies are, I think, an American tradition for Jewish people. I really don't know. I don't know who made it up, but that's what we do. So I am actually going on vacation and I'm real excited about it. I don't think I've actually ever gone on like a quote unquote winter break vacation. So I'm excited to get away and do some of my own stuff that needs to get done that I can't seem to ever figure out how to get on the schedule during a work week. With that being said, I want to chat a little bit about something that I'm going to refer to as advocacy. And it's actually a topic that we discuss here with my guest. As I brought up my hometown, my guest this week is also from my hometown. So I'm excited to have our first guest from my town. Her and I kind of discussed this a bit, but as I was reflecting back, I just I sort of started to think that all of the women that come to me, whether they're coming to me independently or they're asking, hey, can I send a friend to you? They seem a bit confused and lost on where they're going in their careers. As I look back, I think it all stems from advocacy but for yourself. So we all need to sort of have these moments in our lives where we take a second and kind of close the door and close the volume on the world and really do some like inner work to figure out what it is that we actually want, right? Like, do we really want to work for a big company? Do we really actually want the insanity and pressure of entrepreneurship? Do we really want a family? Do we really want a job at all? Right. Like all these things, sometimes we all agree to because of the pressures of we're supposed to. And I think to lead a really happy and fulfilled life, you actually have to do some sort of inner work to decide, Okay, I understand the world says I'm supposed to do X, Y, Z, but am I going to be a happy person doing that? And depending on what those answers are, leads you then to figure out what that looks like for you. And 
as somebody who has struggled with this herself, I really didn't want to go to architecture school and I didn't advocate very well for myself. I didn't really want to work as an architect. There I advocated. But I still sort of struggle with this moment of like, how do I make my dream job out of the cards I've got? And more importantly, how do I make my dream job happen when I'm going to tables and not being heard? Or I am being heard and no one's done it this way before and so no one wants to take the risk on my sort of idea that I've created. And there's quite a bit of fatigue in that and there's quite a bit of like, well, maybe my idea is crazy and maybe my idea doesn't allow for any reality and therefore can't come to fruition. But I also wonder if you do that inner work and you really determine like, this is my thing, this is what I can create, then maybe it doesn't matter how many no's you get. You know, no's for me are like falling off a bike. Depends on how hard you fall, depends on how fast you get back on. But ultimately you still get back on the bike, right? Like if your knee is bleeding, it might take a week. Or if you have a bruise, it might take a day. Or if like, you know, you caught yourself and just the palms of your hands are a little rough, you wipe them off and get back on. So all of those no's, they only are no's if you haven't done that work to really determine this is the thing I'm creating. This is like all over the internet. These are There's a million memes about this. It's like the Jeff Bezos of the world who like made Amazon in the garage or the guy who wrote Squid Game for Netflix. He wrote that like some two decades ago. I might be butchering that. Either he wrote it 10 years ago or 20 years ago. I don't remember. But he wrote it a really long time ago and got a million no's. And then now recently I just read something that said that is the most downloaded show, movie, whatever you want to call it, on Netflix ever. So let's say even he did it a decade ago. He had a decade worth of no's. And sure, I'm sure he didn't walk into a room every single day for 10 years. Every no hurt a little bit different and took a little bit more time to recover from, but he didn't stop getting on the bike. And I think that's because there was some work that was done prior in making that movie and making that his creative project. He knew that what he was creating was what he could create for the world. And I think we all have a place in this world where everything and anything we create, if it's done well, there is a place for it. But it might not be in the timeline that you created it in. It might be in the future. But if you believe in it, then you'll make room for it. And ultimately, someone eventually will say yes. So in the same way that I have been kind of searching for my next thing and what that might look like, And all of the no's I've gotten, some of them hurt more than others. I will be the first to say that. Sometimes I can go from a no into the next room with the next person a week later. Sometimes I need a month. But I'm not giving up because I know this is what I can give. This is the project I can produce. This is the thing I can achieve. And I'm not going to give up. And I think my next guest does an excellent job of explaining her path to her version of success and her ultimate goal in her career. So I'm excited for you all to hear from her. And here we go. Hi, Salima. Hi, Michaela. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to Per My Last Email. It's exciting. You are episode 16. You are the first person on the podcast that is from the town I grew up in, went to the same high school. You are the first, like, <laughs> but even beyond high school. We didn't go to elementary school together. So we, we started together 
in fifth grade. In fifth grade? Yes. When we were 10. When we were 10. Yes. I've literally known you for 21 years. Two decades. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So welcome. You are the first Stevensonite. Thank, thank you very much. And hopefully not the last. <laughs> yeah. You are my first Stevensonite on the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Salima and I are both from a suburb town. There's like 17 of them that all go to the same high school. I'm assuming you're from Buffalo Grove. Yes. Okay. I'm from like, we'll call it Lincolnshire to make everybody's life easier, which are like neighboring towns all go to the same high school. And in Sleeman, in my case, to the same middle school and junior high. So that's fun. Yes. So like we've been, you know, rocking together since like before we had cute clothes. Right. It's such a great reunion. Yeah, I agree. I know. I'm much happier as (laughs) an adult. (laughs) So much better. Yes. My one memory, which is like very random. I wonder if you remember Mm -hmm. this. It must have been like some kind of dance in junior high. And we went like in a group, but we were in the same group. Do you know what I'm talking about? There were like five girls and two guys. Yeah. 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 And the two guys, it was quite the problem. Yes. And your dad showed up. Did he? He came to like, I think he came to pick us up, but he came early. And then they they were like, oh, we'll take you home too, Michaela. Like all the other kids were still like at this dance. It was like this really silly like gym. And your dad came to pick us up. And I was like, "Mm, are we in trouble? Probably. Did we know boys were coming? Did anyone tell the parents (laughs) boys were coming? Probably. I probably got a few stern words. Yeah, I feel like I feel like no one told anyone about the boys. I think all (laughs) five girls were like, there's just five of us. Girl dance. There are no boys here. I remember I was wearing a matronly dress, a black dress. Incredible. Um, long sleeves, and then I had a jean jacket on top mm. of that. Yeah. I have no like, memory of what I was wearing. I have photos. I'll have to show you. Wow. Let's go back to the oh, archives. Wow. You have photos <laughs> of this. The only memory I have from like that age, this is so bad. <laughs> also, for those of you who know me as an adult really well, this is so telling. So at this point, it must be the seventh grade. So my mom had already been sick. Actually, your mom was sick yes. too. It's one of the reasons why we connected so well. So I think oh, you would, wow. you, my mom had just had her first battle with breast cancer and you had just yeah. recently lost your mom. Uh, and was did, you, did we lose your mom to cancer? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what brought us together. Oh, okay. So my mom had breast cancer first yeah. and then colon cancer. I don't know when she was diagnosed because she didn't like tell my mm-hmm. sister and I. Mm-hmm. But I was told basically the day of her surgery, which was in the sixth grade. So in seventh grade, she was like already in recovery. And I was already sort of like on my own in the universe at that point. And I think to make me feel better, she bought me my first pair of like really like a significant healed, pretty tall boot that was like right under my knee. And it was like cognac color. And like, I mean, the heel was probably like even a little taller than the heels I'm wearing right now. She's got like four inches on right now. Yeah. It was like a substantial shoe. And like, it was definitely a shoe I would buy now as an Mm -hmm. adult and be like, damn, those are great shoes. And I think she bought them for me because she had this sense that like she might not see that version Mm -hmm. of me. And she was like, I'm going to like get all my images in. But what she didn't realize is that I was a seventh grader and had seventh grade hormones in me. I didn't think it was appropriate to leave my house to go to the seventh grade in them. But I did, in fact, think it was appropriate to walk around the halls of the seventh grade in them. Okay. So what I remember is like sneaking in these boots and wearing them to school. (laughs) Like I'm literally... I don't know, 13 years old. Like, what am I doing? I thought I was like the hottest shit on the planet you in these fucking boots. a fashion icon before. A fashion you icon. Knew it. And then the dance, mm-hmm. I remember my mom was like all over me to make sure I actually looked like a 13-year-old yeah. because she was not suffering from some sort of like, I don't know, trying to make sure she saw all ages of me in yeah. five minutes. Yeah. And I also remember being forced into wearing something that was not attractive. Enough, right. <laughs> not attractive. 
like any parent of a 12 year old yeah 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 and i just remember your dad coming and like i didn't even know this man and i could feel yes that like all the girls were in trouble yes we had done the thing we were not supposed to do south asian dad energies what we call it oh yeah, it's, not, it's not great it's not fun at all <laughs> We're going to get to that because sure. I want to, like, jump in a little sure. bit into this, like, immigrant community yes. thing. Okay. Even though we're, like, from a pretty affluent suburb of Chicago, yeah. there is a lot of non-immigrants in this community. But for whatever reason, I feel like I was always surrounded by immigrant mm-hmm. families. Yeah. Which is interesting in itself, but you call it, what do you call it? South Asian dad energy. South Asian dad energy. I call it USSR problems. <laughs> like, we all have our own version of, yes. like, our our immigrant parents being right. immigrant parents. Yes. So we'll get to that. But let's fast forward a little bit because I actually don't know what happened to you after high school graduation. Okay. I went off to Indiana University, studied finance and international business because Mm. it was the safe thing to do in 2008 when we started college. Sure. Um, We had just experienced a recession and the daughter of two immigrant parents, like I needed to go down the secure route, right? You only really have four like career options. Yes. It's like- (laughs) Business, medicine, engineering. Maybe you could be an attorney and like, we'll accept you. Maybe. Yes. Maybe. But that's like a hard maybe. <laughs> yes. Depends on what type of attorney you decide to be. Exactly. Um, it's very important. It's super important. Yes. If you want to be like a finance attorney would yes. check the box. Check the box. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be, so it was important to be financially secure yeah. and stable. That's Stability right. is very important. Most important. Um, within the South Asian immigrant community. So did that for four years, had a great time, actually interned with the company that I work for now, the world's oh. largest candy company, as we'll refer to it, oh my God, that's um, amazing. but decided to take the, the safe option and okay. took on a full-time role with a different company not too far away from where we lived and for a number of reasons and didn't feel fulfilled. We'll say. Okay. And we can talk about that for why I didn't feel fulfilled and didn't feel like it was the right fit. And then immediately, once I hit my two-year mark, went back to the company that I'd interned for, this candy company. And now I've been there for seven plus years. Wow. Loving it. The goal is to run the place wow. at some point. And then between then and now, got married. Where did you meet said husband? It he, wasn't at the seventh grade dance, by the way. It wasn't, no, though he, he and I were friends back then. We are part of the same faith-based community. Ah. So we had a four-year-long friendship. Okay. And it was really me just trying to convince him to date me because I, oh, I knew wow. then at the age of 15 that this man this was, was going to be the father of my children. Wow. Yes. And it took us four years of a really solid friendship <laughs> before we started dating. I really commend uh, a girl who's like, nope. I get it. You don't see it. But yes. like, I'll show you. And I'm sticking this one out. <laughs> right. I feel like that's been my personality yeah. throughout life. Like once I put my mind to something, it's. Do you, you think this. it's the Virgos in us? I, yes. A hundred percent. Like, no, we you can't. Yeah. Once the train is moving, good fucking luck to you. Like, I understand that the outside world would like the train to stop. Right. Mm, trains mm-hmm. don't stop once we put them in motion. Not, no, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I knew it took him a little while to well, jump aboard the you train. Know, that's not surprising. <laughs> And here we are, I think, 11, 12 years later, four and a half years married, living a very happy life in the city, made the move from the burbs into the city. Yeah. And have traveled the world. Yeah. Since, you know. We're going to like dive all into your career, but also you and your husband have like this really awesome Instagram. (laughs) We do. It's a a place for people to, you know, come get inspiration for travel Mm -hmm. and food. We love eating and traveling as most people do. And we've, you know, this is our little happy corner in the internet. Internet. I love that. To share all of our Did you guys like decide, like, did you all sit down? First of all, also, I have to preface this by saying yesterday, Salima posted (laughs) 
a photo. I think it was a photo, right, of her husband with like a press box, I guess. Yes. And was like, his name is Kareem. Kareem. Yeah. And was like, you know, Kareem was made to be the influencer of the family. <laughs> yes. So my question is, did we start the Instagram page to be like, let's see if we can become influencers? Or was it maybe it'd be fun to like post all the shit we're doing? Or was it a little of both? It was never to become an influencer because I know how much time and it's effort a, is required. It's to, like seven full-time jobs. Right. To grow an audience, yeah. like build trust and credibility. For us, it was a way to dump all of our thoughts because people were coming to us um, behind the scenes asking about trip advice, mm. um, itineraries, agendas. Hey, saw that you went to this new restaurant. What did you think? Right. And so it was it was really meant for close family and friends to just follow along and Mm. join us on this adventurous journey in food and travel. And then over time, it just, it hasn't ballooned yet. Right. I mean, (laughs) just crossed the 6,000 follower mark. Okay. But like my personal Instagram, that's supposedly my business Instagram has like 1,200. So one would argue (laughs) your passion project that you're not trying that hard in is doing four to five times better than my Instagram that supposedly is a business Instagram. Listen, there is a niche. There's a niche for food and travel. <laughs> there really is. There really so is. that that helps. Can't take a lot of credit. But also I enjoy experimenting on Instagram because in my day-to-day job, and we'll get to a career, yeah. um, it helps me make decisions on how we work with influencers, how we talk about our brands. So and... it's kind of like your experiment board. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And vice versa. So there's things I, I pick up at work in the space of media, and then I experiment uh, I um, see. to see, does it grow an audience? Is the message sticky? Right. So on and so forth. So oh, that's actually purposes. cool. I didn't yeah. think about that. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. All right, cool. So I could go work at the candy company and they'll teach me how to have an Instagram that functions. Perhaps. That's not at all what you said. Just just for everyone's sake, I took a paragraph that she said and spun it all around and made the cake I wanted out of it. That's what just happened. Let's rewind a little. Okay. We're at the school dance in the seventh grade. About four minutes later, you meet your husband, but he doesn't want to be your husband yet. But you're like, "Mm, good luck to you. Yeah. We graduate high school. You go to Indiana. Did he go to Indiana with you? He went to Illinois. Okay. Were we still in the convincing portion of the experience at that point? We started dating um, sophomore year of college. Okay. So we were still in the convincing portion when he decided to not go to Indiana also. Got it. (laughs) It's okay. I encourage long distance relationships. I feel like people shy away from that, but I think it's... It makes you stronger in the long run, and it required us to grow individually as people before we finally got together. Um, We actually did long distance, not only throughout college, but our first jobs. He took on a consulting job, and I traveled a lot for work. And so we weren't in the same place for about five and a half, six years, almost around the time when he put a ring on my fingers, when we were both based out of Chicago, here Monday through Friday. But I think we are stronger for it because it forces to put That is my number one statement to people is like, I don't think long distance is a bad thing. I would argue it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to think that these three days between our birthdays have (laughs) something to do with like our opinions on the world. Virgo sisters. Virgo sisters. Okay. So that's awesome that you think that way. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because do you feel like... So a lot on this podcast, we inevitably talk about this checklist, mostly because mm-hmm. I hate it with every bone mm-hmm. in my body. And yeah. I want to find yeah. friends who hate it, too. <laughs> I think a checklist is important. I'm glad that you have one. My sister, she is a single it. lady yeah. who doesn't feel like she needs a partner to feel yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. But for her, it's a nice to have. Yeah. But she's been extremely particular about the qualities and characteristics yeah. that she's looking for 
in a man and she's been on a number of dates and has had great stories and not so great stories. And, you know, often I'll find myself asking her, well, why don't you bend this requirement? Right. Right? You know, if he's got nine out of the 10, isn't that enough? And and she's like, she calls me Appa, Mm. which is Ordu for sister. She's like, why why do I have to lower my standards? Right. And she's like, these are things that are important to me. Yeah. And if this guy exists, I will find him eventually. eventually. Yeah. She's like, I don't need him to feel happy. I'm satisfied from a career standpoint, a service standpoint, Mm. great relationship with my family and friends. And this would be just this would be an add-on. Yeah. Exactly. The reason I say checklist, so what I refer to as the checklist is like go to high school, go to college, Mm -hmm. graduate college, Mm -hmm. get a good job. Mm -hmm. Within like two seconds of that, maybe even in college you met him, you get married. Within two years of that, you have a baby. Then there's a white picket fence. Then you have two and a half children. I don't know how you make the half, by the way. (laughs) Then you get a doodle. It always has to be a doodle. I don't know why also. (laughs) It must be something to do with the half child that you had. Mm -hmm. They somehow produce a labradoodle. And then you live in this house and then that's the checklist and it's like embedded into our brains for some reason. I'm sitting here in awe because your checklist is my life blueprint. That's what I call it. It's a blueprint. You set goals and mile markers for yourself, right? (laughs) And like it, sometimes it can be paralyzing, right? I tell folks and friends and colleagues at work that I've got this blueprint in life, you know, where I see myself from the age of 16 to 60, let's say, and the things that I want to accomplish. And to them, it feels very paralyzing. Like what Mm. happens if you don't hit a certain milestone by a certain Yeah certain age. And for me, it's a loose roadmap of things that I want to accomplish, things that I want to achieve in life before this life is over. Right. Right. And I've faced a lot of adversity, almost losing parents, losing parents, loved ones. Right. And for me, it's important to live life to the fullest, right? And write those goals down on paper. And so I, your checklist is my blueprint. And I'll tell you my blueprint, I haven't stayed the course from a timing perspective. Like I am 31 right now. I should have a kid and a half to your to, to your my point, point, right? Yeah. And here I am. No babies. No babies yet. Yeah. Right? And, and no not, doodle. And no doodle. And there <laughs> may not be babies in my future for the next few years. Yeah. Life changes, but that goal hasn't left, right? Um, I see. So it is still a checklist or a blueprint yeah. for you, but it, it has flexibility it to it. And it has like air to breathe mm-hmm. depending on as things change and as things right. grow versus like, I haven't, you know, checked a thing recently, mm-hmm. like all, all hell's breaking loose. Like yeah. every six months, you got to like put another check mark on the paper. Right. That's so yeah. interesting. I, and it's important for me to have structure, right? Mm. It's the type A in me. And I know this doesn't necessarily work for everybody, but I want to be able to look back and say, I was able to achieve this or this is the struggle that I went through that I overcame and, and got to the other side, right? So yeah, you're not weird for having a checklist. No, I'm, I encourage it. No, no, I'm anti-checklist. You are anti-checklist. I'm your okay. sister. Okay. My older sister is you. Okay. She also, by the way, actually has a doodle. Okay. <laughs> and like built a fence around her yeah. house. She literally mm-hmm. is the checklist. Yeah. So you got a job out of college that was mm-hmm. like in the field that you went to school for in sure. finance, finance related, right? Mm-hmm. Was there like a moment where you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I'm so sorry, immigrant parents. I have to go do something else. Yeah. What, what was that like process for your brain? I Yeah. So there wasn't a particular moment, I think, over a two-year period at the first company and then 18 months at the company I work for now. I held finance roles. And over time, I realized that there were elements of my job that I didn't enjoy, right? I created a quadrant, type A, right? Here are the things that I like. <laughs> here are the things that help me grow in my job. Here are the things that I don't like, right? And here's what I wish my job had or here's what I think is lacking, right? And there were a lot of bullets under that 
I don't don't like like this part of my job. And one of the main things was I felt like I didn't have enough influence within the organization. And as I self-reflected and took a number of self-assessments and talked to mentors, I realized that I enjoy being in the driver's seat, being in those high stress, high tense boardroom type situations where I'm with decision makers, helping them understand why they should go one way or the other, Mm -hmm. right? And the rationale behind it. And I wasn't afforded that opportunity in the roles that I held, right? As a financial analyst in a financial development program, so on and so forth. That's not always the case, right? Finance specifically, had I worked at an investment bank or like yeah, a would financial have been consulting firm, it would have been different. But I chose the CPG route, consumer packaged goods. For me, it was important to work on products that were tangible, where I could go into a grocery store or Walmart and say, I, that's my thing. That's my thing. I mm. had a hand in bringing this to life, right? And so that personal choice, a role in finance in that industry just didn't afford me the opportunity to influence and really take on a leadership role. And so once I moved companies after three or six months in my role in finance, I raised my hand and I said, I don't think I want to be a CFO when I grow up. And I had to have that build up that courage to talk to my line manager and my director at the time and say, it's great to understand the P&L, which is a profit and loss statement, right? You make X amount of dollars. These are your expenses. You subtract your expenses. These are your profits, right? Simply stated. I understand that. I get the mechanics. I'm really good at math, but this isn't fulfilling me, right? And if I'm going to be doing this for the next 40 years, right, if we're looking to retire by 55 or 60, whatever the U.S. government's allowing Mm -hmm. these days, I want to be able to wake up every morning and get excited about what it is that I do. And so I told him, I said, I think where I want to go is to be what we call in the industry a a GM or a general manager synonymous with a CEO. So a business leader, a market leader and leading big teams and a lot of people. And so they took that at face value and they said, you're cute, right? Yeah, um, like, that's oh, nice. That's nice. That's so, cute. And, and what they said was continue crushing it in the role that you're in today. And we're going to start giving you these stretch assignments mm. that are going to push you. And they will be difficult because this is these aren't things that you've studied previously. You don't have any work right. experience, but we want to see if you've got the agility and the confidence to pull off these assignments. And I did a number of those and then transitioned out of finance into consumer insights and have now transitioned out of insights into brand management. And so I am a brand architect for a number of our candy brands, Mm. specifically in the ice cream category, Mm -hmm. right? Get to launch products. I get to work on advertising and media. And what I enjoy the most is being able to sit in those rooms where decision makers are sitting and influence their decisions on where to go next, right? And be in those high pressure environments. That's, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I don't know where, what your question was. To I begin don't with, either, but, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm so like enthralled and like have so many questions that I don't even know what I asked you to begin with. <laughs> when you had that conversation of like, hey, I know I'm currently in the finance department. Mm-hmm. I understand my job. And they're like, yeah, okay, sit back down. But like, maybe we'll throw you some bones and see what you do with them. Mm-hmm. Had you thought long and hard about who you were going to say that to? Or is there a structure or was there a structure already in place of who you would have taken that to? Mm-hmm. Were you strategic and like, all right, that person's never going to listen to me. This one might kind of listen. This one actually might be encouraging. So like, let's wait till she gets off or he gets off vacation. Like, were you strategic about it? Yes. So I, I <laughs> like, oh, this, fuck, I, that one's on maternity <laughs> leave. Like, you got to wait three months. Yes. No, I mean, you have to be right. So I bounced this idea off of um, a number of analysts that I worked with. Right. You start off in these intro level jobs and, you know, they thought it was a really interesting idea. It hadn't been done before at the, the company that I'm in. Um, and so got their perspective and had their support and then went to my line manager. Right. We had a relationship 
built on trust. I had performed right to his expectations and beyond that. And so I felt that that was a safe space and could the same could be said about my director. Their initial reaction, like I said, you know, oh, like, oh, cute. I think I think what they were thinking was no one has ever presented us with this sort of problem. Right. Folks that are in finance typically stay in finance. Yeah. Right. They do the numbers, the checks and balances. You know, everything's very much black and white. And this was sort of a new problem that was presented to them. So it took them a little while to think through, okay, we see potential in this associate. She has conviction in her own goals and she's backed that up with high quality work. And so how do we develop her in a way that fulfills her? And, you know, it took a little bit of creative thinking on their part as well. But yes, I did test this theory out in a safe space Mm. and then trusted this information with my advocates, right? Mentors and advocates within the organization. But was I it fast? No, it wasn't. Let's go conversation till first transition. Yes. So I continued in finance for another year and a half before I moved over into insights. Did yeah. you have multiple? Con- I mean, they were throwing you these bones every so often to yeah. see what you would do with them. But did yeah. you have multiple conversations or were you just like, you got anything else for me? Like Just like reminders? Like what did that? Yeah. I mean, had continuous conversations, yeah. right? You and were I like, think, you wouldn't shut up about no, it. No, yeah. no. Anyone that would listen, I would tell them, I want to be a GM someday. Mm. I want to be a CEO someday. And I think if there's anything to take away from this experience is you've got to express your dreams with conviction, right? If you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. And unfortunately, in corporate America, you've got to be your own advocate. You will have mentors and line managers and supporters along the way, but you've got to be in the driver's seat and drive the agenda of where you want to go next, mm. right? And you've got to bring people along on that journey and believe in that vision that you have for yourself. And so I was hell-bent, Virgo energy, yeah. right? This is what I want to This is what the I train don't want to do. Yes. This is what I don't want to do. And this is what I do mm. want to do. Hop on board. And the second thing that I think is important to understand is that you've got to back up that conviction with work, right? Of course. And continuing to crush it at work and continuously exceed expectations, right? And because I was able to do that and I had this conviction, believed in myself, I think the combination of the two propelled this you. movement. Yeah. yeah. To, to the next step, whatever yeah. that looked like, and, and then, then the, the next, and, then, yeah. and so on. Number one, that's fucking amazing. Um, Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. You deserve that. Again, I don't know how much you can actually talk about. I know, obviously, stuff going on right now yeah. is cannot be discussed. Have you ever launched a product or been a part of a launch where you were like, yo, this is like the coolest shit ever? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, I work for the ice cream division and this yeah. big candy company. And we had recently acquired what we call a Better For You brand. Once we acquired it, we had the opportunity to extend that brand into different categories. And so we all sat around the table and thought, would this brand fit an ice cream? Mm. And there was a perfect fit. There's um, an emerging sort of need for non-dairy, better for you options, right, within frozen treats. And this brand had credibility in a different category. And so I had the extreme fortune of being the consumer insights associate on this project. There were eight of us. So you have a product developer, you've got a marketer, you've got the finance person, insights, pack engineering, right? And so I was able to travel across the country over a six to eight month period and have conversations with people about what they thought about this brand and what their expectations of that brand was in this category. And Mm. basically was able to mold different concepts whether it be an ice cream bar or a pint of ice cream or a smoothie bowl and develop these ideas and then test it again with consumers and then also design the packaging, right? We had, Mm. we had a graphics team to design it, but also testing it with consumers. And it was really cool to see an idea that was like a drawing and a thought on a piece of paper 
to it's over a twenty million dollar business today on it, shelf. Yeah, like on the shelf, and, and in you were a matter like, of I, three. Years. I mean, like I and a million other people, but like I did yeah, that. Yeah, me and like a whole army of people. Yeah, yeah, that's it's very really cool. it's really fulfilling and rewarding. Mm. Do you think you will ever get sick of that moment? No, because there's different problems mm. to solve for. Right. Yeah. We were solving for uh, an unmet consumer mm. need. And so as long as I get the opportunity to continue solving new problems, it's not going to get It's a old. new puzzle. It's a new puzzle. Yeah. Exactly. That's more of yeah. a shit. <laughs> we like puzzles. Yes. Really we like, like solving problems. Yeah, we really like. <laughs> like, like fixing people's situations. People, situations, your medicine drawer, <laughs> uh, labeling, yes. uh, organizing. Yes. Give us a problem. How is your closet organized, can I ask? Let me start from the beginning with my closet. Somewhere around when I started raising myself, somewhere in the seventh grade, I decided that my closet in my home was inappropriate. And we should have really like started to understand that like I had this need to build things early mm-hmm. on in life. Mm-hmm. But essentially, when I got a car, I think actually the first iteration of my closet, I made someone take me to Home Depot and I bought the Home Depot version of like shelves and bars and stuff for your closet. And I built my own closet. Amazing. In like just a normal bedroom. It wasn't like a walk-in or anything, right? It was just, you know, your normal closet. I took all the existing stuff out of there and I rebuilt it so that it fit the way I wanted it to fit my stuff. Somewhere around high school, I started, God, this is embarrassing. Somewhere around high school, I started color coordinating. Yeah. Okay. See, it feels better now when you're in a room with like-minded individuals. I started color coordinating all my clothes. So like all of my long sleeve shirts would be in rainbow order. Same. Yeah. Everything has to be in rainbow order. I will say as an adult, I no longer rainbow order things. Okay. I think partially it's because I have so many different types of Mm -hmm. things that it bothers me more if like a sweater is with a long sleeve random shirt than if they're in the right color. Okay. You see? I feel you. So I feel like as an adult, I have like more different types of clothing versus Mm -hmm. 4,000 long sleeve t-shirts, which then could be color coordinated. I did, however, when I bought my condo, extend an entire wall, which by the way, whoever built my condo is an idiot. And now like (laughs) half the people on my floor have now also done this because I don't know, there was like no architect involved. (laughs) I extended a wall and made a closet that is, I think for normal people, is a linen closet. For me, it's a shoe closet. I don't know. There might be like 10 pull out like alpha closet sure. thingies that fit like six shoes a piece. And the closet was built to the exact measurements of those alpha pull out shoe holder thingy-mabobs. And then my current closet in my bedroom is also like alpha organized based on how one uses things like a fucking robot. We're the same person. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think outside of like your need for a blueprint and my not (laughs) Not one of any kind, we might be the same human. Right. We're Mm -hmm. 97% of the way. We're 90. It's those three days that (laughs) fucked it all up. Those three days are why you want a blueprint and I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. You were like early. You're three days before me. You were early. Yes. Yeah, I have a very... You have a system. You've got a system. I have a system. Mine's the same way. It's seasons Mm. and then function of clothing. So similar to you, sweater, long sleeve, short sleeve. Yeah, exactly. Color. I will say the one piece that is colored... It's not well organized because it's just like always a shit show in this drawer. But I have one drawer and the whole left side of it is a bunch of like random like tank tops, like random T-shirts, random stuff that like doesn't belong into anything that is all black. And then the other (laughs) side of the drawer is all those same (laughs) random like pieces of clothing that are all white. And that's the only thing that's color coordinated. But like all white things and all black things go in there. Okay. Unless it's like a sweater or a, and then if it's a designated clothing type, then it goes in its section. Yes. Point of the story, we're neurotic. We're not well. We have, 
We're not well. My shoe closet is also divided by type, Mm -hmm. and then type is divided by color. Yeah. We're not well. Okay. (laughs) That's okay. You know what really drives me bonkers, but I refuse to spend money on it. But, like, I think if I get to a place in my life where, like, money is no object Mm -hmm. and I can, like, forget about immigrant parents and their obsessive need to hoard money. Yeah. I want all of my Tupperware. Like, I have, like, glass Tupperware. I want all of the lids to not be fucking colorful. Why are they colorful and why are they all different colors? I have no idea. We got to call Pyrex. Don't they understand that, like, it hurts my head? Neutrals. Lax. I want neutrals and I would like them all to be one neutral. Right. Why is it, like rainbow colored like children's toys yeah i have no idea have you ever thought about like you know when you have children their toys are really colorful and your whole house is going to be full of these colors and it's not going to be organized and it's going to make your head want to explode well they're going to grow up like i did without toys oh excellent okay great (laughs) i like books and they're going to have this thing called math safari that i grew up with and they're just going to be doing math no everyone's everyone's gonna think i'm psycho like you know it's it'll be fine it won't be fine (laughs) it won't be fine my sister has children going into her house it's not fine i have to like turn off my virgo yeah prior to entering. It's painful. You're like, why? I must organize all the things and these children are going to unorganize them. It's very painful. It's going to be a battle. But it's going to be very hard. Love will overcome. Yeah, Folks that's the tell hope. me there's this like indescribable feeling when you have children, and that just solves for everything. It just solves. I all don't believe the it, but then again, I'm not on that side yet. That's fair. But yeah, that's fair. That's what I'm counting on mm. to help with this neurosis. That's fair. Yeah. That the love will like overpower oh. the neurosis. Yes. Uh. Yeah. That's fair. What do you feel about where you are now in your career and sort of immigrant parent syndrome? And what was that process like? Did Were they at first like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Why is she doing this? So as I've grown older, I've tried to make a concerted effort to understand my immigrant parents and where they came from. Growing up in that household was really difficult, right? Yeah. There were these crazy expectations to perform well in school. Failure was not an option, right? Doing your best was not an option. No, doing your best was not the option. (laughs) It didn't exist. And that's, you know, it's because now that I reflect, it's because they struggled so much, right? They struggled so that my sister and I could have the comfortable life that we do, right? And so a lot of these sort of restrictions and these, what's felt like at the time, these unattainable goals that they set for us were truly so that my sister and I could lead a comfortable life, a financially stable life, and that we would have security in our yeah. life because that's not what they had when they first came to this country, right? They were, my mom used to work at a factory. She worked at Dunkin' Donuts, right? Before she got her associates, her undergrad, yeah. her master's, right. right? They struggled. They didn't know how they were going to provide for their next meal, right? How they were going to pay rent. And I think they just didn't want that for their girls, which I respect and I appreciate yeah. today. I didn't as that no. 12, 13 year old that just wanted to be left alone and yeah, dance like, with her friends. Yeah. Right? Like, why can't I just be the American kid? Right. Like, let me right. be the American kid. Yeah. <laughs> I will say my parents were a little bit nervous when I told them I was going to make the jump from finance to insights. They're both, I should say, finance professionals. Right. Yeah. And that's all they've ever known. Right. And for them, it was a security blanket, mm. right? And they knew nothing about this world of insights, of marketing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so when I shared with them that I was making the jump, they were a bit nervous. But I will say they've been more vocal about how proud they are of me over the last four to five years. A thing about immigrant parents is that they don't they don't ever share that they're proud. No, of there you, are no right? compliments. You there's get no, no compliments. compliments. There's never a good job. There's never, wow, you've like mm-hmm. really come a long way. Yeah, you know, it's just something felt. 
but recently they've expressed how proud they are and of my trajectory. Quick tangent, during the summer of 2020, when there was a lot of social unrest yes. and when we were all grappling with the murder of George Floyd, yeah. my company was late to responding, mm -hmm. right? And their response to me felt very lukewarm. And as somebody who is a minority, I felt that it was important to support my black colleagues mm. right at in this time and really help my company level up in their response and so i wrote a six-page letter of dissent wow um, and it was co-authored by a, a black colleague of mine who is one of my best friends at work and i sent it to my parents before i sent it to mm. the top guy at at our company and we're a privately owned company so it went even yeah, higher than that of course and everything in life that I do, I always get my parents' consult. They're on my wow. board of directors, but I share this with them. And 30 seconds after I shared it, my mom picked up the phone and she called and she said, do not send this. You're going to lose your job over it. And dad in the back just was like, just shook just when he read it. And know. I told him, I said, for me, it is important to do the right thing and yeah. to be on the record, to encourage an organization that I love to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. And if I lose my job over this, then this is not a place for me. That's then I right. shouldn't be here. That's right. And they begged and pleaded and they said, please don't, you know, again, it, they, it, they want that stability, that financial yeah. security. They don't want anything yeah. to happen to their girl. They went ahead and sent it. Yeah. And have now, as a result of sending that to the leadership, have now been asked to help craft our equity, inclusion, diversity agenda mm. at a local level. They have come to me for opinions, right, as a minority, as a millennial. I think mm. that's important as well as a woman. And so why did I share that tangent with you? Because the, it scared the, the shit, shit out of your parents. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? They are, they're extremely risk averse. But yeah. now I think after I'm established, my sister's established, we can take these measured risks. Yeah. And they have seen that those risks have played out. And I'm not really, sort of communicating that they're it, proud. Yeah. I think it's very hard for them to... I think most people know this. But for those who don't, I am first generation born in America. The family I was adopted by, my best friend, she's not even born in America. She came when she was like two. So we are very also like immigrant heavy. I don't have a single person in my family outside of my biological older sister that is from this like country. By the way, I had no idea you were adopted. You actually did. You just don't know it. Really? I'll tell you offline. Okay. Yep. So the reason I say this is and why we call it in my family is from the old Soviet Union. So USSR. And we call it USSR problems mm -hmm. because it it truly is this like broken like moment in their head. And mm -hmm. it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And they don't realize it's like a screw is loose. <laughs> like the, the risk does not cause world like chaos. Right. Every inch of risk mm -hmm. to people who came to this country and like started with literally nothing and had to build. Sure. Every little inch of risk to them feels like world-ending mm -hmm. destruction of mm -hmm. stability in life. Right. We're literally not suggesting you run in traffic. Mm -hmm. We're suggesting you do the right thing or better yet, do the thing that's good for your soul because right. it'll make you a happier human. Right. They're like, no, no, no. this is equivalent to running into traffic. <laughs> right. What don't yes. you understand? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, They're no. coming around, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt that way with my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So because I'm so anti mm -hmm. the checklist and the blueprint and yeah. like doing it different. And I'm 31 and single. And, mm -hmm. you know, even That's if right. I wouldn't be single, like there wasn't going to be a kid. It's interesting. She puts so much pressure of like what's supposed to be on my sister because she follows it. And then on me, there's such flexibility and like soft hands around right. it because I think they realize like, uh oh, this one, she might actually <laughs> run in traffic. <laughs> like, 
very laissez-faire approach. Yeah. It's the same way with me. They got the, the first daughter to stay on the straight and narrow. Yeah. She got the job in business. Yeah. Got married at an appropriate age. Mm. Wasn't like an, yeah. an old, right. old hag, right? Yeah. At the yeah. age of whatever. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Any age. expired goods, right? So I, I followed their, their sort of yeah. model. My sister, on the other hand, is almost 29 now, mm. single, is a teacher, which in, is not in an appropriate career. No, not at all, because teachers don't make yeah, any money. That's right? right. Yeah. So she had all the flexibility and freedom in the world because mm. I think they learned parenting trials, tribulations, yeah. mistakes and successes with totally. her first daughter. And, you know, the benefit of having two is that you can experiment you, and try the exact opposite <laughs> and see what and, happens. And see what happens. And luckily, we are two well-formed, strong-headed yeah. women who are doing really well and are fulfilled and happy. And that's and all that's that matters. And that's actually the only thing that... That's all that matters. The rest of this doesn't it, Yeah, it doesn't. So yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you see? for having me. This wasn't scary. Not at all. It wasn't I scary. I don't know what they're going to take away from this. It's going to be so great. You'll see. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or I thoroughly annoyed you enough that you feel like you have to come back for more, please go subscribe, rate us, send a review, and share us on social. You sharing us means all of our struggles don't have to be in silence anymore, and it means we all have a voice. Most importantly, it means I get to keep making episodes. So please, go share. 